Love this podcast? Support this show through the supporter feature from Acast. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Pentagram, dedicated to Henry Farmer. In the year of the primal The atom germ wars gone precipitate genetic mutation, social degeneration. Creatures born of malignant science, the children of technology, plutonium anthropology. Who will cleanse the mess left by the past? Who will expurgate the sacred cryptoplasm? To rid the earth of abomination, I proclaim my nomination as the thermonuclear warrior. Strands of malformed DNA strangulate our future, chromosomal executioners. Recessive traits for lifetimes hidden emerge through evolution. Facilitate cellular revolution. Thermonuclear warrior, Petrus T. Steel, a little bit of carnivore, to start off the last podcast of the year 2022. I'm Alan Averill, this is Agitators Anonymous, episode 140. God damn it, 140. How did that happen? Anyway, yes, it did happen. And here we are. And let me tell you right out of the gate, there will be a two parts to, well, I say that now, but there, there will be two parts to this podcast. There will be a slightly lighter uh, hard rock, heavy metal musical, um, you know, look back through the year, look ahead, what might become popular, what might not um, musings upon where the music industry might be, festivals, live culture, all that kind of thing. That's going to be another podcast. This one is going to be looking back on the year that has been in terms of politics, in terms of geopolitics, in terms of social, cultural, um, mainstream media, media, narratives, all that kind of thing. It's going to be the serious stuff. It's going to be a bit about pandemic, lockdown, Putin, AI, um, it's going to be about China, it's going to be about about technocratic platforms of manipulation, or are they really? It's about Elon, it's going to be about, about central bank digital currency, about crypto, about the war in Ukraine, um, it's going to be about all the serious stuff. If you are out there listening to me and you think, I like this guy, I like the cut of his jib, you're probably going to like me more after this podcast. And if you don't like me, well, you're probably going to dislike me more. And you know what? That's okay. We don't all have to agree. Every one of God's children has a place in the choir. Um, and, you know, over 140 episodes, the principle of Agitators Anonymous is free speech, as complex as that may be as prone as that may be to all sorts of um, forces trying to pull it this way and that. I'll try and my hold my uh, place down as holding the middle ground sometimes, as trying to say that arguments are not binary, they're not good or evil, they're not black or white. Everything is a percentage in the middle ground. Um, whether anybody likes that or not, we're going to discuss that over the course of the podcast. We're going to discuss... Um, what's lacking in journalism? Why we have no faith in institutions? God damn it! It's overwhelming. Am I even going to get through it all? Who knows? Um, we even we even will have a few comments about gender from my mother. 
Um, I mean, who would not want to stay tuned for all these things? But remember, as always, Agitators Anonymous has a commitment to freedom of speech. It has a commitment to um, the idea that, in principle, um, we have to debate either side to try and reach consensus, and that I defend your right to disagree. No problem. And I'm not going to take it personally, and I would recommend you do the same. The podcast is opposed to, you know, cancel culture, all those kind of things. It's the recourse of those who don't wish to debate. Um, All of these things, all of these um, forces, these things that innately drive us to want to silence the opposition and just win by any means possible. um, These are some of the nefarious forces that are driving, um, you know, they're driving the engines of the year 2022. So let's get into it. The podcast is... um, open for sponsorship moving into the year ahead. Um, you think your band, your label, your whatever might do for a little ad and play a little bit of music behind what I'm talking about. Get in touch, slide into my DMs um, and see what we can do. Um, but what sort of self-respecting podcast, um, self-respecting podcaster would I be? What kind of lonely middle-aged white dude um, speaking out into the void would, it, would I be if I didn't take a look back on the year? Um, you know, cue dream sequence. And let's go back to January the 1st. Um, the answer is a very irresponsible one indeed. It would be irresponsible of me not to look back on the year. The other feeling um, is that it's now been almost two years of the podcast. Well, maybe 20 months, could it be? Um, do I regret starting it? No, not for a moment. I think it's been not only important on a personal level, you know, but also to do my... Um, utmost to try and support the principles that I just mentioned. It's a drop in the ocean, of course, but um, at least within metal music, the rock community, there seems to have been very few people uh, willing to hold a views opposed to the mainstream. Maybe they've just got more sense than me, hmm, but I'll get into that. At the very least, um, I do thank you for having made this uh, journey with me. Um, you can all consider yourself qualified armchair therapists. But this is going to be a pretty serious podcast, a pretty dark one. What did you expect? The podcast is called Agitators Anonymous. If I was to come on here and just go, ah, sure, it'll be grand and go, God, do you know what the cat did last week? There's a super cute story behind that. Actually, I don't have a cat, but that's kind of besides the point, I suppose. Or whatever. I don't know what other podcasts talk about. I Sometimes I get little ads and little snippets of podcasts. Um, you know, in kind of before other podcasts that I listen to or in the middle. And it always seems to be the most um, mundane kind of things. You know, people just discussing shoes they just purchased or, um, you know, just like Bloody Blas, Maven, Dave's Cup of Tea or something like this. Well, this podcast ain't going to be like that. I promise you some um, scandalous opinions and, you know, a little bit of death and genocide and all those kind of things. Uh, that spice up our rather dull podcast cuisine for the most part. So I'm going to try and go over some of the things, the main points, um, things I took from this year, um, some of the main stories, some of my kind of slightly sideways observations on those stories. It's going to jump about as usual here and there as whatever comes into my um, grey matter. But I think we saw um, a very particular strain of human behaviour come to the surface over the year, and it's no different, probably um, and no different a reaction to other things throughout history. But what should we call it? I would call it the demonizing of the other, um, the very quick rush to embrace a kind of binary partisanship based on simple emotive reactions, I think can sum up an awful lot of what happened in 2022. Clever and informed people seem to leave their rational thinking at the door, afraid of what the group think um, taking place everywhere, far from their own peer group. Um, what that group, um, you know, thought of society at large was settling on, and they settled upon it, um, and settling on it in a very dark, authoritarian manner, but kind of failed to see so. Um, see so. I could have thought of that uh, a little bit better, but othering. What does that mean? We've heard that a lot. I mean, I suppose the concept of the other. Um, it basically means that you place somebody else who has an opposing view in this binary category, good and evil. I'm good, I'm on the right side of history, you are wrong, Um, you have a different opinion to me, therefore you are evil. There's no middle ground. Um, You can't, 
you know, it's one of those things you can't bargain with somebody who believes that you're going to hell if they have that religious belief. And that's what we're encouraged to take part in, a sort of religious um, othering of other people, even in, even though despite I use the word religious, I suppose um, it was religious in a very unreligious or irreligious context. Because even in um, religion, you're supposed to have the concepts of forgiveness, which I think is the one thing that is completely missing from this modern um, rush to, um, you know, to call the people who oppose you um, evil or heretics or this rush to this binary choice. And of course, if somebody else is evil, then you don't need to debate them. You don't need to discuss anything with them. You don't need to hear them out. You just rush to shut them down, to send them to hell or whatever, you know. I don't know if you ever had tried to have a conversation with somebody who is a was an is an evangelical Christian or has evangel evangelical. Well, that's difficult to say, isn't it? Who has evangelical beliefs, um, and you've tried to reason them reason with them with a um, you know I, what are the main principles that we can use to reason with the evangelical um, evolution, for example, and they just see it as a challenge to their beliefs and they just double down. And for a society that it seemed had embraced secularity over, you know, however long in Europe, and, and we'd sort of slain those ghosts and laid them to rest. Up they reared again, out of the graveyard, and seemed to sort of possess people again. This idea that we had to other, other people, um, other the others. Um, what a terrible alliteration. Is that an alliteration? Let me know. Um, and so therefore you didn't have to debate them. I'm going to try and extrapolate on the concept a bit more. But how did the year start? Well, you know, you may not want to hear it, but it started in lockdown. I totally understand the people don't want to talk about it. They want to forget it. Um, I get it. There's a huge feeling of weariness of even bringing up the subject. Even to this day, when I bring it up uh, with friends, they're just like, oh, God, it's like, um, oh, you're going to mention the troubles, are you? OK. But around the world, people started this year still in lockdown. We did here in Ireland. Um, in my opinion, their civil liberties and human rights being held in the hands of a small percentage of a mixture of the political elite, uh, medical professionals or the new medical elite and advisory boards, their advisory boards, um, human behavioral psychologists that, um, you know, advised our governments. And um, you're kind of on the unseen hands on the gears of this whole industry, which were also big pharma and, um, you know, unelected technocratic institutions, um, a huge lobby groups. Um, and as I said, this unelected technocratic force, which had a lot to gain from the situation. A lot of variants were at play. A lot of things were at play. And some were, of course, um, you know, I'm, I'm going to try and be balanced in my view of this, but it's no um, secret that I opposed uh, most of these things, you know, lockdown, for example. Um, but to say otherwise, I think even the most, and I have met them, and I've, you know, I've had a few uh, um, moments with people who were ardent supporters of these measures in the last month or two. Um, and now with some distance, a little bit of distance between here and the start of the year, they kind of open up a little bit and they go, yeah, maybe we didn't do the right thing. Um, maybe we, as a society, we kind of drop the ball a little bit. And it's the just the opening of the door to to, to, to stand a little bit um, to look at things in a slightly different way. I think the most, as I said, the most ardent supporter of the measures now um, can maybe see if they are able to not fall prey to this modern disease of doubling down or never giving an inch to the opposition or whoever you've been told is on the other side of your um, good and evil choice. But even the most ardent believer in the state media, medical narrative, etc., etc., um, must question how things have unfolded. And they have opened up, I mean, friends of mine who were fully on board with everything that was happening. Um, you know, we've met for dinner in the last month or two. And they have said to me, yeah, I mean, I had to believe it. You know, um, especially friends of mine who had kids and stuff, they were like, look, I can't believe that the state um, doesn't have my best interests at heart because what sort of world am I bringing my kids into? And I went, that is the best answer um, that I've heard. I mean, it's, you know, it's not a reason for, at least for someone like me, um, for um, shelving all your... Um, you know, sceptical, rational, your sceptical thoughts of the situation. But many of those people have kind of quietly at least opened up a little bit and said to me, um, mm, did we do, did we, did this work out right? Um, 
what I call the, you know, the three legs of the tripod. Well, that's what tripod means. But the, the triumvirate, the trifecta of the narrative were three things. They were the lab leak hypothesis, the efficacy of vaccines and the science behind lockdown. These to me were the three big things. Um, which at the time, if you'd mentioned, um, you, would, you could be deplatformed for mentioning, you could be cancelled for discussing, you could be unpersoned um, just for discussing it like this in a podcast or sharing a link, or there were links you just couldn't share, um, you know, because, as I said, these um, technocratic platforms had decided that um, they were going to control the narrative and any opposing views were miss or disinformation. Um, but now all three of that trifecta are kind of accepted and in the mainstream as well. We, as people, were not told the whole truth, I think, um, for our own good, some would say. But um, And now my phone pings and I pick it up and look at it. And it's literally, um, you know, it's literally friends saying, hey, we can't meet because XXS person um, as has the Rona. Um, and for the third time, I may add, uh, which, of course, itself is, you know, I mean, you get that you get it for the third time after taking your medicine and what does that say to you but people um clearly can see or if they're willing to see that the um the what we were told in relation to the efficacy of um all of this was at best questionable uh, fauci himself kind of admits the lab leak man well, might have happened lockdown is generally observed to have made no difference in fact i mean as i said at the time lengthened hospital waiting lists all the way to the suicides of young people that no state wants to talk about. Blah, blah, blah. Alan, shut the fuck up. I get it. I really do. But hey, it's a retrospective of the year. and This is how the year started. I don't want to talk about it any more than you want to listen to it. But I'm going to talk about it. Everyone wants to put it behind them and get out from under this and get back to normality. Only. It really kind of doesn't feel like normal, does it? Or does it? Or maybe it's me that's not normal. And I will hold my hand up and admit that, that maybe I lost a bit of my sanity. I mean, you know, I think in the fullness of time, I could be wrong, of course, that in a decade, I think that it will be seen as a very, very important event as we move for forward um, in society, where because, you know, it expedited all of these things, whether it was AI, whether it was, you know, biometrics and um, digital currencies. But I'm going to get into that. I'm going to get into this. Um, of course, I could be wrong, but, you know, lock down the entire world for reasons that now seem to maybe not be quite as we were told in its most simple an explanation. And the most generous is, of course, that politicians were not skilled or taught how to deal with this. People were afraid. I totally accept that. Um, people made poor decisions based on a very simple human emotion and a cumbersome bureaucracy that um, just wasn't equipped to be able to deal with this. Um, you know, I'm going to try and be fair to, you know, the either sides of the argument, but it takes courage or would have taken um, a courage that our political class did not have to stand up and say, hey, maybe is this an infringement of civil liberties? Nuremberg Code has to be upheld. If you don't know what the Nuremberg Code is, the clue is kind of in the name. Um, it's basically a code that was designed after the Second World War to say that you have bodily autonomy and the, the state um, cannot basically um, infringe upon your um, bodily autonomy, basically put things within your body that you um, do not wish it to, etc. Um, and it was done, the name itself is because it came from the Nuremberg trials of um, famous Nazis. Um, and because that's what, you know, the Nazis were doing, trials on people. Now, that's why it's called what it's called. Well, don't get mad at me for explaining. Now, this topic became a quite a battleground, let's say. If you go onto normal search engines, and you put in, um, for example, did they suspend the Nuremberg Code? You'll get all these articles which say, um, you know, it's a kind of conspiracy theory and that's not actually what they did. Some articles say no, the, um, you know, the vaccination uh, measures did not violate the Nuremberg Code. And of course, some people do. So it's become this incredible um, battleground, ideological battleground. Now, I have to be careful here what I say. It appears that Ursula von der Leyen, the head of the um, EU, um, said that the code should be abolished, but it was not. So to give one side of it, um, AP News, um, in my search, states that Germany's new COVID measures don't violate the Nuremberg Code. Legal and medical experts told the Associated Press the code was designed to protect people from involuntary experiments and abuse. In contrast, 
Germany's new restrictions on movement for unvaccinated people is a public health intervention, not an experiment on humans. Whereas people on the other side are claiming that the pandemic is being exploited as an opportunity to overturn the moral and legal parameters laid down by the Nuremberg Code. So you can see it's a very complicated uh, area. Did they? Did they not? I mean, it's it's hard to say. I suppose it depends, again, how you come down on this binary choice um, that I mentioned earlier. But I sure didn't hear a free and open debate about those parameters. As governments around the world, rather than... Rather than wait and see and not rush headlong into advocating for emergency powers. But once you got some emergency powers, they taste pretty good, huh? Hard to give them up. And that's, I think, what happened to our political class. They kind of got used to I'm just ruling by decree, almost like, um, you know, some sort of um, 17th century feudalism where the, you know, the ruling elite just sort of lauded it over the the common people as we were. Um, I also, you know, to be fair, I do understand that if you're in the jungle and you hear a rustle in your head, Ro, in case you don't know, um, if you hear, uh, you know, something heavy and big moving through the jungle, do you wait to see what it is or do you run? I get it. Self-preservation. Yeah. You know, do you wait and see? It might fucking eat you. Um, I understand that urge and also that you mix in that with the urge of um, the idea, the principle that no politician wants this to happen on their watch. But, you know, these are still the politicians that uh, um, it's been revealed were busy partying while all the rest of us were locked down. So, you know, did they know a bit more about this than the rest of us or were they just enjoying their emergency powers hmm you can decide um could make an austin powers pun there but you know anyway then one day to the next gone our head of state stood in the steps of parliament in dublin and announced uh tomorrow most of this is gone rules are gone and in a week all gone uh our heads went into a collective tailspin i mean what incredible news of course but what the f because five, six days before, they were discuss- discussing 0% strategies, you know, like we see now in China. Maybe you've been following some of the crazy Instagram stories of, uh, you know, armed drones, um, you know, going between tower blocks, um, announcing to people, this is now a red area, you must stay inside. Um, you know, what, is it, what does one of them say? Your aspirations of freedom must be uh, denied. You must deny your aspirations for freedom, something like this. My intuition... Um, they, of course, knew something, uh, you know, the public did not, did not. All these advisory boards just dissolved themselves, took the plaudits. Elvis left the building as a hero. And uh, knowing full well there was no stomach in government for an inquiry, um, still hasn't been any that I know of. And uh, maybe you've got one happening in your country. Let me know in the DMs when you're busy call me, calling me an ignorant C word. That's okay. Um, even to the decision making in the first month which saw elderly people crammed into nursing homes, etc., etc. And we're not going to go back that far, but I still don't see any inquiry into any of that. Um, because don't forget, there, there were people who could not hold their loved ones' hands as they died, frightened and afraid, funerals over Zoom. Um, people forget very quickly. They just adapt again, re, you know, recalibrate, um, but they forget the rules that we had to live under. Um, you're the state more or less controlling your every move, you know. 2022 also, of course, became the year of uh, the climate change, climate discussions. Of course, they need to be had. And there's no doubt, of course, that we face many incredible um, and dangerous issues connected to climate change. But again, um, the whole argument was couched in this sort of language that if you raised your hand and went, uh, can we, you know, have a debate, have a discussion, have a, a sort of some sort of democratic vote on any of these procedures, you were called a climate denier. Um, it's again... The whole argument is couched in this emotive language that makes you seem like a terrible person if you have uh, a question or want to debate it, or maybe you disagree with it, which is also your right. Now, of course, as somebody who's sceptical of the motives of power on authority, um, I, you know, in my head, I wonder, well, how much of this is in reality is about authoritarianism and controlling people, and how much is genuine a genuine climate issue? Because... It's clear that the lockdown of the pandemic was used to expedite many of these issues. And of course, the emergency powers granted to government allowed them to just get to work. And this is not just to be conspiratorially minded. Of course, there is a discussion there. But in reality, what you do in a leafy suburb of North County, Dublin or wherever, um, compared to what happens in China or the developing world um, or the 
places in the world where population is booming is where the real question lies. But it's kind of clear that the way it's being framed is to make your average person feel guilty about many of their uh, life choices or the way that they live their lives. And it kind of seems that it's going to be used for authoritarian measures to take some element of people's liberties and human rights and freedom to travel and all those kind of things, when in reality we probably should be discussing what's happening in that Chinese concrete factory. But nobody really seems to want to do that. I mean, they say that the top 100 companies in the world contribute 70% of the world's industrial pollution. I snagged that from Russell Brand's show. So blame Russell if you don't believe me. But what that shows you is that the framing of this narrative is personal. It's about you. It's about the things you have to give up. I think what's clear is that companies, um, you know, oil companies or whatever, sat around 10 or 15 years ago and went, how do we frame this as something personal that people take personally to, um, you know, divert attention from what we are actually doing and um, make them take this sort of emotional burden upon their shoulders for uh, climate so again, of course, there is a discussion to be had, a debate to be had. Um, we got to save the climate, of course we have to. But again, trying to sift through the wreckage of the conversation to define, to, to really kind of get to the nub of like, well, what's real here and what's being used for, um, you know, propaganda purposes or whatever. That is the complicated um, thing that I think we're going to see moving and expanding over the next five or ten years. And, you know, some people have said that that, you know, the lockdown we just had is prep for a form of climate lockdown. Now, that could be catastrophizing. That could be, you know, such an impossible thing to consider uh, for many people. But who knows? Who knows? Um, I think the next five or ten years is going to reveal a lot. And it may reveal uh, that comment and opinions like that to just be idiotic. And if so, people who said it should hold their hands up and admit it. But... Who knows? To be fair, what did I get wrong? I'm, I mean, you know, plenty of things, of course. The QR codes were dropped and for now lie dormant. I honestly did not think they would be given up for travel and movement. But who knows when they might get fired up again. Um, I can admit, of course, I was also played by my algorithm. Um, it, of course, um, it knows what makes you angry. It kept feeding me that. So you... Uh, whether anyone likes it or not, they did get a bit played. So with so, with so much information coming into our lizard brains, how do we know what's real and what's not? How can you tell? How can you? Um, so did I think things were worse than they actually were? I mean, of course, I think nothing is 100%. There was, of course, people reacting to things in an honest way, motivated by genuinely altruistic ideas, wanting to help people, nurses doing their best. Of course, there are. I don't believe in an overarching narrative because I think the world is simply too chaotic for that. Everything is percentages. Um, something is maybe 22%, 70%. Nothing is absolute. And in this crazy binary world of polarization, and that for me is the huge narrative of the year, the polarization of so many people, we really saw how binary the choice became, good or evil, the othering of the other side. There was, for many people... Um, no chance they were even hearing what someone else had to say. To me, this is the divide and conquer strategy of this new technocratic unelected elite. This is how the political class get shit done. Get people fighting amongst themselves, calling each other deplorable and despicable. Rishi Sunak, the Prime Minister of England, at the moment is worth $850 million. So, who do you have uh, more in common with? Um, him or, the, or someone else protesting, screaming over the barricades at each other? And this is, I think, encapsulates an awful lot of what happened in 2022. People were played against each other. Um, and this is just the derangement of social media, which is really coming to the boil in 2022. Um, sort of selfish narcissism it inculcates in people. The idea that, um, you know, they're starring in a movie of their own life. Every opinion is valid and must be acted on immediately. The selfishness of this idea that the world has to shift to accommodate them and however they are feeling that day. How we feel is them. And if we feel like today we want to make a difference and save the world, well then it better goddamn happen now, today. Topple everything today. I need it for my Instagram story. It won't do in five years or one year or six months or a month. I mean, I get it. The idea that you can save the world is... It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax and think about work you really really want it all to work out while you're away monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind when all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync 
things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to monday.com. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. It. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bombas socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST a tantalizing prospect that you're on the right side of history making a difference so you, so you get out there and sit in the middle of the road and protest well oil for example but in reality all you do is make working class people trying to get to work mad it doesn't hurt oil companies it just makes people mad and you know so you know 2022 was a year where people i think regular people were pushed further apart or at least it seemed that way. Is there a way back? It's hard to say. Elon could do the world a favor and maybe delete Twitter, Twitter maybe for a start. I mean, we also have to acknowledge that we are prone to um, catastrophism and um, to catastrophize everything now. Um, and so I perfectly admit that um, maybe it simply isn't like that. Maybe it's not as bad as I think. Maybe this is just another passage in history that got a bit out of hand. We went straight from, um, you know, lockdown into, uh, you know, the potentiality all of a sudden of nuclear war, which people hadn't thought about for years. Putin invades the Ukraine. We were told by all the sources, nah, he won't do that. But he did. And we went straight from that into another crisis. It felt like we just didn't get time to recover from the last um, punch. And we stood back up and were punched again. Is it just a turbulent part of history? Are we moving? We've had, you know, 10, 20 years of upward mobility and growth and relative prosperity in most of the West. I won't say the whole rest of the world. I wouldn't be so um, crass as to suggest that. But um, the sort of post-fall post, post fall of communism, early 90s growth of the new middle class, and it's sort of, as I said, it's, um, you know, rising tide lifts all boats, analogy, whatever you want to call it, economically. Um, maybe it feels like that moment is over and we're moving into a period of turbulence, just like there has always been in history. Um, and who could blame me for coming to some of these conclusions when you are, you know, locked in your apartment for two years with the internet for company? Maybe this is what happens. Um, I can freely admit to that one, as we all should. There are no absolutes. And if I'm proved wrong and the ship rights itself, okay, maybe we all just went a bit mad. Um, but 2022 was also a year of forgetfulness, of cognitive dissonance, of people holding jarring opposite opinions um, from one day to the next. You know, people who right now are pearl clutching about what's happening in China. Isn't it terrible, these brave protesters? And you go, hey, a year ago you were supporting a kind of a variant of some of these measures. You were okay with the idea of um, there being camps in Europe, camps in Australia, camps in New Zealand. Um, you were okay with the idea of, um, you know, Trudeau shutting down those pesky truckers. Um, you were, we all listen to celebrities screaming at us, your freedom doesn't matter, blah, blah, blah. Um, and then people are just sort of expected to forget that. Ah, just call an amnesty on all those kind of things where we said you should be segregated from society. I'm in the middle of this incredible podcast just to die, you know, just to go off road for just a moment called, um, called Dictators. And it's incredible. And just as you know, like um, Idi Amin and Pol Pot. And what you learn pretty quickly th going through the history of all these incredible dictators and how they began it begins 
with a sense um, among one certain section of society believes that the other section of society is the other, is evil, is worthless, demeans them. And in the end, they come to the conclusion, well, who would who would mind if we locked them in camps or maybe we could shoot them. Maybe we could do many, many dark things. And the germination, the seed of that, you could see bubbling up quite clearly, I think, in the last couple of years. I think what also became clear in 2022 is that huge multinational technocratic companies, they are, I think, more powerful than many of our governments. They're more powerful um, we can't resist what they demand. Then they got bigger or more powerful over the lockdown and pandemic. The likes of Vanguard or BlackRock, um, they showed themselves, I think, to be more powerful. They probably own more, more of your city than you realize. Um, you know, of course, I can't go through 2022 without discussing the World Economic Forum. Um, everybody knows it. And if somebody's told you, oh, it's a conspiracy theory, look, just look at their website. Look who visits it. People who are way too powerful visited for it to just be a conspiracy theory. Um, go and read the book by the people who run it. Um, it's not conspiracy theory. This is just a lazy, um, you know, g- g- dumb generalization. Journalization by people who either have been um, compromised or just, you know, um, rush again to this binary position that if someone they disagree with thinks it isn't a conspiracy theory, then it must be a conspiracy theory. It's the kind of, how can I say, intersectionality of this sort of new religious orthodoxy, which is that if um, my supposed enemy believes a thing, it must be untrue. Um, a stopped clock is right twice a day. But it was a year where more more people began to um, sort of see elements of what the WEF were talking about throughout their cities and wonder, hey, hang on, is that, could this really be, maybe, I don't know, you will own nothing anymore. Um, you will own nothing and you will be happy. Um, we stream it. We buy access, but not ownership. If you take the Spotify model of the music industry, now expand that to other walks of life. Look up where that might go over the next decade to maybe it's access to healthcare, access to your country, to be able to travel, to your savings, to property, to goods, to food. Um, and now it turns, it, now it takes on a more serious uh, tone. There is a more serious conversation to be had. I mean, once upon a time, you know, you bought your album, um, your vinyl album. It was yours to own. I, I look to my right here now and I see uh, my vinyl collection, I own this. But that that will be or is a thing of the past by and large because most people don't own the music that they stream anymore. And so what if you, well, you don't own your house. Most people, um, you know, many people in my generation don't own their house, they rent it. Um, what if you, um, you know, as we can see the movement um, to reclaim land, to take land from farmers, for example, in Holland, etc. Um, this is the seizing of the methods of production. I mean, when did that ever wrong go wrong in society? Um, but you will own nothing and you will be happy. 2022 was the year where that kind of, we thought about that maybe a little bit more. Um, and of course, the people on the other side screamed at us that it was conspiracy theory and to not be so effing stupid. Hey, it isn't a conspiracy theory. But of course, the way the algorithm works, it um, will try and provoke the most angry response to it. So yeah, we can run with it too far. But just have to take a look at the people who go and visit uh, Davos and go, hmm, these people are all way too rich and powerful for their decisions um, to not have some effect. Um, Central bank digital currency. This was the year 2022 when this began to loom into view because people thought to themselves, wow, centralizing more power and removing our financial autonomy. At least that's how I saw it. If you are um, getting paid in Irish euro central bank digital currency and your government goes, we think you've been drinking a bit too much there, Paddy. Um, You're going to have to limit your intake of alcohol for your own good. Well, that's the rationing and the reasoning behind many things that have happened in the last couple of years for your own good, for your own safety. We'll decide for you. We'll take away your decision making. Central bank digital currency, which is tethered and linked to maybe you can only spend it on certain things. Maybe you go and try and buy that flight for that um, that dirty weekend you've got planned somewhere and your um, digital central bank currency um, wallet goes. You've used up your personal carbon footprint emission. That's where central bank 
digital currency leads. It leads to, for example, you can see the Chinese protesters trying to get trains into cities to meet, to protest, and they can't get on the train because their um, ability to buy the ticket, their you know phone has gone red because they, you know, their state has deemed it, um, has deemed them, um, you know, them in, unable to qualify for travel. Or is that, are we, is that too far a dystopian future? It could be, I hope it is. Maybe it's just my way of looking at the world that goes to, you know, goes to those kind of conclusions, conclusions before most, more things, um, before most things. Um, I would, I'm not going to assume, never put down to malice what you can to incompetence. Mm, I get it. But I do think the, you know, sent this digital currency thing, which most people will just sleepwalk into because of convenience, I think. But it can end with your state um, saying to you, well, we'd rather you didn't shop there. We'd rather you didn't buy that. Maybe we'll just push you in the direction of, um, you know, making better choices. Um, Crypto, what happened there? FTX, this was the year of FTX. Um, Were we all scammed? I don't know. I don't know a single person who made anything from crypto. And I I knew lots of crypto lads um, uh, during the lockdown who were, you know, kind of investing money in it. I don't know anybody who came out the other side with any money. It all just kind of crashed on a, in a crazy Bernie Madoff-style way with FTX. And it's kind of brain-breaking to try and understand, but they seem to have lost millions. And then there's, you know, kind of like back stories about the Democrats and money being funded to Ukraine. Ugh. Was this somehow on purpose? I don't know. Paving the way for us to be protected from the dangers of crypto um, and to accept central bank digital currency. What's clear is regular people never really understood it properly. And now, how do they break back? How does that idea come back to people? It seems like crypto might have been irreversibly damaged. Um, 2022 was the, the most important story, and maybe I shouldn't have blathered on so much about um, the lockdown at the start of it, but that's where we started the year. But we went from one crisis to another, Putin and the war in Ukraine. The thing they said, would nah, not going to happen. Putin's not going to do that. Um, but there were signs that you know Putin was hell-bent on and recreating the recreating the empire and he's become a sort of czarist figure i think you know um but it certainly said to people that um we just had no time to take a breath after lockdown and it went straight into war and pandemic and it felt like we're just in this heightened state of emergency all of the time and through the heightened state of emergency emergency powers can be decreed and that the war in ukraine lurched us into the energy crisis um and as a society we had no time to take a breath. It seems like the, it somehow seems like 10, 15, 20 years ago, um, a summer 20 years ago was so much more hassle-free. Maybe that's a, um, you know, a sort of um, white middle-class European perspective and there were plenty of places in the world that were going through turmoil. Of course, I accept that. But it seems like um, we're going to lurch from, um, you know, crisis to crisis and not be allowed a breathing space because we just are more... Um, we're just more compliant when we're afraid and bamboozled. And the war, you know, I'm, I've am i been in Ukraine, I have friends in Ukraine, um, and what we were shown, I think, was the clear pantomime of modern politics. I mean, a bipartisan bill recently passed with Zelensky, you know, the president of Ukraine, getting a standing ovation from um, you know, the American Senate or whatever it is, uh, bipartisan, which means Democrats and Republicans both together passed a bill for $45 billion of support for the war in Ukraine. I still don't hear anybody talking about peace talks or any kind of a settlement. Um, it seems like munitions companies are just rubbing their hands with glee at this bottomless black hole uh, to be able to pour munitions into. No real... Um, I don't. I haven't really anybody heard anybody thinking or talking about how many lives all of this will cost or at some stage we have to go to the negotiations table before we even get to the threat of nuclear war, um, which, you know, for generations people have kind of forgotten. I mean, I remember as a kid in the um, early to mid 80s that we all watched them, that Fallout movie and, you know, we were all taught about the bomb. It was still part of the Cold War and even though Ireland was relatively peripheral, it was something that you you knew about as an eight or nine or ten year old kids know about it now again and it seems like the you know the ticking of the clock has become closer to midnight on that doomsday clock i don't know what it is now um i mean of course every metal fan wants to think it's two minutes to midnight um just for shits and giggles but you know what i mean um could we be just 
you know, sitting on the precipice of nuclear war and then watching the pantomime of the, of American politics, of this bipartisan people who all, I think many of them would have been compromised by the lobbying of munitions companies, just as they were compromised by the lobbying of Big Pharma. Um, 2022 was the year, I think, where the veil was just uh, dropped. Um, the, the curtain was exposed and the political class in that sense just looked at us and gave us the finger and went, yeah, this is how it is. Fuck you. Well, this is how we make our money. We really couldn't give a f- fuck. And what are you going to do about it? Like the biggest kid in the schoolyard. Um, you just went, yeah, so what? What are you going to do about it? The checks and balances, the checks and balances that existed in a society where we had a strong nation state, um, a strong government, for example, don't seem to exist anymore. Now, people who object to the idea of a nation state, okay, there are other ways. There are other things we may object to that upon. But one thing you must agree, or you might, you know, maybe think about at least, is the idea that if BlackRock or Vanguard, you can Google them, or some of these huge uh, multinational companies, technocratic institutions, whatever, if they are bigger than your nation state, then your nation state's rules, internal rules, are you know kind of null and void, and they will come in and just literally buy up your city center and go, well, you listen, we're going to build what we're going to build here. Um, and the people who don't, who you, who are from your city, are not going to be able to live there anymore, etc. And maybe I'm jumping about with the idea, but the idea that these um, these huge forces, these huge powerful forces, are greater than your nation state, I think is something we all, if we were looking, got a kind of clear view of in 2022. It's like, oh, our politicians are. I think they're compromised. Um, and look at the recent scandal in the EU. You know, all the money that's been swilling around Ursula von der Leyen, uh, of course, head of the EU, you didn't vote for it. Or this unelected, um, you know, raft of um, the political elite over in in the European Union Um, and the lobbying scandal with all the money that some of them were taking. I mean, many of them were taking money from, you know, Gazprom and you mean people like Gerhard Schroeder and stuff like this. But it's clear, you know, von der Leyen was texting with the um, head of Pfizer, fixing the money for the vaccines and this and that and the other you know you can look this stuff up but it feels like they just do it with impunity and that there there won't be any repercussions for any of these people oh alan were you so stupid as to believe in democracy no come on somebody as pessimistic um, as me never really fully believed in it but i certainly believe that the pandemic and lockdown damaged it way more then um, it left it in a much more perilous state than it was because it it, it showed this political elite that there isn't any recourse. Um, nothing really happens to them if they're caught in a lie or taking money for lobbying. Um, and that they kind of grew a bit fat on their emergency powers, um, suckling at the teat of them for uh, the year or two, um, you know, the last two or three years. And really thinking, uh, kind of acting a bit like dictators, a bit like tyrants, uh, acting with impunity, thinking, well, you know, we have our emergency powers. Can't we just keep doing this? Because democracy just kind of gets in the way of my ability to shut down people's earnings or freeze their assets. I'm thinking now of Trudeau and the truckers' protest. 2022 was also the year of the Iranian protests. I did a podcast actually completely about this, uh, maybe only 10, 15 episodes ago. So maybe if you uh, haven't heard that one, go back and have a listen to it. But this was um, over the, you know, the killing of a young girl, Masha Amini, by the um, religious, the morality police. Um, Iran has had many, many sort of, this bubbles up to the surface surface a lot over the last 10, 20, 30 years and protests against theocratic religious rule of the state and its authoritarian or um, despotic measures. But we saw in our mainstream media over here, it got kind of some coverage, but not that much coverage. I didn't see it being a cause celeb on Instagram. I didn't see much um, sort of Me Tooism or much sort of um, solidarity stories with what was an incredible story about um, women coming out and confronting um, a terrible behemoth of a, a religious social structure, um, which was killing them, literally killing them in the streets. Some people supported it. Some people chose not to. I didn't see that much outrage compared to other things that people have been outraged with over the last couple of years. Our governments kind of shuffled quietly, went, yeah, uh, they didn't really say very much either. Why is that? Probably because they're trying to do some sort of new gas deals or gas pipeline um, deals with that area of the world. 
and now they are uh, executing people for their uh, for taking part in the protests and still it doesn't really get shared much or talked about much in our mainstream media or even on people's stories or whatever else maybe it was just a horrific moral bridge too far i'm really not too sure if you want to know my opinions about it just go back and have a listen to the podcast i devoted entirely to the subject um, maybe 10 episodes ago, but 2022 was, um, this was a big story for me in 2022. And if you really believed in women and women's rights, this was the sort of epicenter of the argument of what they really mean and how they were really defined. And the quite stunning bravery of the women involved would put most of us, if not all of us, to shame over here in the West. It was quite incredible to behold. 2022 was also the year where gender became uh, a more broader battleground. People ask me what I think. Um, I mean, look, it's a lose-lose situation generally to talk about this stuff, but I'll answer with a story um, about my mother. Um, If you have an issue with it, I'll get her on the phone. You can have a chat with her. Um, And she said to me, why is it that a man is winning all of these women's swimming events? I said, well, he identifies as a woman. Conversation ensues. So my mom says, so he can just say he's a woman and basically just win a medal. And I said, well, it looks that way. And my mother said, so being a woman is now an arbitrary decision based on how you feel. And I said, it, you know, some people might say so. My mom says, so all the marches we went on in the 70s, all the contraceptive trains to the north, because contraception was illegal in Ireland, and the cops were waiting for them with truncheons when they got off the train, um, the fighting against the church's treatment of women in Ireland, which is fucking dark. Um, you want dark? Google symphysiotomy. Um, yeah, just Google that. I, or you can put in uh, Irish religious medical procedure women and you will find one of the darkest things. So um, anyway, my mother was, you know, she's saying all the things we marched for and fought for, the books I read, Germaine Greer. Hey, I read The Female Eunuch when I was a teenager. Um, Fighting for an end to sexism in the workplace and fighting for equality doesn't actually matter. I said, well, if there are no genders, then of course, I suppose, ipso facto, (laughs) if that's the right um, big dickhead term, um, then there's no such thing as women's rights because there's no such thing as a woman if... um, you believe there are no such thing as genders. Takes a lot to make my mom angry, but there you go. Got an issue with what I just said. I'll pass the phone to my mom. That was her understanding of it. And she just awoke to the conversation and went, hang on, wait, wait, what? And then a week ago, um, my friend's daughter has a six-year-old who says that she's trans. My mom says she still believes in Santa. Yeah, case closed. 2022 was the World Cup. Um, football. Yeah, look, hey, I like football. Um, But we had the hypocrisy of the hypocrisy rife within FIFA, um, taking a knee for Black Lives Matter, but then holding the World Cup in Qatar, which obviously has a horrific uh, record of human rights. So it seemed like some lives matter and some lives don't. The whole thing seems like just an act in sports washing. What is sports washing? Well, I suppose sports washing is when a, um, you know, a government, uh, a religious group, um, a, let's say... They take over a sports company in order to kind of um, change their image or their perception, which I think is what happened. There was lots of LGBTQ uh, grandstanding by FIFA and various football teams, you know, no problem with that. But the World Cup is taking place in a country where um, most of those things, well, all of them are illegal. Um, Again, the cognitive dissonance in all of these things. I mean, I do, um, you know, I do understand the concept of well look many people didn't realize what things are like until the world cup was here and so um you know there were genuine journalistic efforts to try and redress the balance and let people know look this is how you know migrants and workers are treated in qatar and in this region and how there is no gay rights there and all those kind of things and so it did a positive thing by being there but at the same time it did make your head spin some of the um blatant hypocrisy involved in the whole thing Personally, I became much more aware of AI and what it can do. I suppose I paid more attention to it because it started to encroach upon my world, art and music. Um, And I began to think about that a lot in the last few months of like, wow, are we going to get to a place where, um, you know, musicians are avatars 
and people are just going to be able to make their own albums by or songs by the avatars that they like on their own terms. I mean, we're already there with artwork. Um, I've been talking about this the last while in the podcast, but um, it made me 2022 was the year where I began to pay an awful lot more close attention to all of those things and think and you really did make you think like in 10, 15 years, where are all of the human processes going to be when they're co-opted, corrupted, altered, changed by our relationship to AI? I think it's going to affect literally everything unless there is um, a rebellion against it, so to say, or some people pull the plug. I don't think that's going to happen. But what might happen is you get a 10, 15 percent of society is going to go, hey, we're going back to slow living. Whether they're able to, I don't know, because I'm not sure you're going to be able to get off the grid. 2022 was also the year of Elon Musk. Um, Elon Musk becoming the new Trump uh, for some people, which I think is just uh, insane. I mean, um, he's he's a complex character that I don't really claim, can't really claim to understand sometimes. But I watched him on the first Rogan and I thought he was very interesting. I don't see any of the other unelected billionaire oligarchs um, going on a show like that and allowing their person to be examined. Um, and, you know, all of the people who complained, um, saying, oh, go and build your own platform to people they perceive to be on the right or the alt-right or whatever you want to say, then we're doing the same thing because Elon bought Twitter and you thought, well, he can do that, can't he? That's kind of what you were saying just um, two years ago. To be honest, the best thing that could happen to humanity would be for Elon to just pull the plug on the whole thing and just delete it. And of course, now, um, you know, we're told that, well, because of Peskill Putin, these are to blame for your huge energy cost rises. Um, and let's be honest, if you lock the whole world down and interrupt food production and chains of um, distribution and um, make people unable to work, millions of people unemployed, etc., etc., yada, yada, you understand what I'm trying to say. Um, and you print also trillions of dollars and just pour it into society. Um of course, that's going to have an effect on the worth of money, amongst many other things. Um, and so, you know, our political class, oh, it's it's Putin, it's all Putin. It's not all Putin. We can clearly see that we are now dealing with um, the financial repercussions of lockdown and the pandemic as well. As well as, of course, um, who sells us gas and energy and all those kind of things. Um, all of those things play a part. But I don't think anybody believes that... Well, maybe some people do, but to believe that it's all rests at um, the feet of Putin, I think is incorrect. I'm almost at an end here, folks. 50 minutes, which is longer than most podcasts that I do. And I'm perfectly well, well aware that many of you will have not got to the end of this. If you did, good for you. And thank you very much for uh, putting yourself through that. It's been a complicated and strange year. Um, one where it would be nice to take a try and take a step back and take a breath. But it's very hard with the information just keeps coming at you um, in such negative terms. Um, but I think we're going to have to learn how to try and do that. And far be it from me to try and give um, advice or anything like that. But finding a place where we can go to just switch off is going to be paramount to our um, to not going fucking insane and I, I'm not sure um, I've been able to completely do that or uh, how we exactly do that but we're going to have to try and find a place to do that because I don't think things are going to level out and calm down I just have a feeling they aren't going to I think too many um, as I said agents of power and influence and economics um, have too much to gain from people being in this heightened state of um, fear, paranoia, whatever you want to call it, um, all divide and, divided and conquered and all at each other's throats. Um, my friends, Agitators Anonymous, it's been a random ramble across lots of different things. Maybe the things you thought were important in this year um, are different to mine. Uh, I don't know. Maybe maybe none of the things I thought were, um, you know, that occupied my mental space were yours. That's okay as well. Maybe some of mine really pissed you off. That's all right as well. It is, of course, your um, it is your human right to disagree. And that's also fine. My friends, Agitators Anonymous, episode 140 is a random look back at the things that um, climbed to the top of my grey matter and then jumped off onto my spinal column and gave me a bit of a kicking. Part two of, let's call it the, you know, the more sunny part of my disposition will follow forthwith, my friends. Planet Satan, over and out.
Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.